2: Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: Welcome in to Daily Face-Off Live. It is June 13th. I'm Tyler Rumchak. He is our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. And Frank, it was a championship Monday in the NBA with the Denver Nuggets defeating the Miami Heat tonight, Tuesday, Could we see a second
3: straight Florida-based team lose in their final? It's possible, and I would say the only thing I'm glad about is that whenever the Stanley Cup is handed out, that it goes to a player first instead of the owner and Stan Kroenke of the Denver Nuggets. He uh, had that championship feeling with the Colorado Avalanche last year. His team wins again, of course, in the NBA this time, but the players should always get the trophy first.
0: We will see if Lord Stanley is getting handed out tonight. Uh, a lot to get to on the NHL uh, news front. Today's show, as always, is brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca. They got the odds up for tonight's game between the Panthers and the Golden Knights. We'll touch on that a little bit later, but let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and get to the breaking news we got this morning. The Ottawa Senators' sale is expected to be coming to a close with Michael Andlauer being the winning bid. Bruce Geriach reporting the deal is around $950 million US and it's worth 90% of the team so 10% stays in the Melnick family. Frank, you look back at Andlauer and kind of his connections to the sport of hockey, it goes back quite a ways all the way back to 2003 when he became a co-owner in the Hamilton Bulldogs, then sold that team to the Canadians and then brought a separate OHL team back to Hamilton and of course they won a championship there. He also so I had a stake in the Montreal Canadiens that he got back in 09 a true hockey guy Frank
3: a true hockey guy and I think Tyler this was the preferred choice of the Ottawa Senators by the NHL the entire time because this is someone that they know well you mentioned that he purchased a stake in the Montreal Canadiens back in 2009 still holds it to this day will of course have to liquidate that in order to officially become the owner of the Ottawa Senators but this is someone that When you go to Board of Governors meetings in Florida or California or Georgia, wherever they may be, Michael Andlauer is one of the faces that you would see there at the Board of Governors meetings as one of the alternate governors of the Canadian. So someone that's had a seat at their table for a while, someone that they know well, and obviously now has the resources with, we're told, up to 20 investors that are part of this project to essentially put $950 million on the table it's an incredible valuation for the league. This is a record. No NHL team has gone for close to this amount. Uh, the Fenway Sports Group purchased the Pittsburgh Penguins for I think just south of $900 million on a valuation a while back, a year or two ago. So this is a new high water mark for the NHL and it's incredibly important because it's a small market Canadian team that has to do the bulk of its work and, and pay uh, players in U.S. dollars. It can be a challenging financial situation. But part of this deal is also with the idea that the Anlauer group is now going to help fund and put steel in the ground to finally put an arena downtown in the little Breton Flats area uh, in Ottawa, which would make this team so much more accessible to its fan base as opposed to being 25 to 30 minutes away from the city. So uh, this is a big win for the Sens. This should be a shot in the arm for the market. And it's also a big win for the NHL to not only get this price tag for its other owners, but to also have someone that they are confident will be able to run this team in the right way. If you want to make a chart and draw a direct line of correlation between NHL team success and Stanley Cup's, It all draws right back to ownership. If you have good ownership, you have a chance. Just look at the Tampa Bay Lightning and Jeff Vinnick and the people that he's put in place. Hands off, well-funded, whatever you need. The Tampa Bay Lightning have gotten it, and there's been plenty of other teams as recent examples to help in that that argument.
0: Yeah, you mentioned a big win for the NHL. I would imagine there's a handful of other owners around the league sitting there going, Boy, if, if that, the small market Canadian team with no downtown arena, if that's worth $950 million U.S., what is my team worth? Uh, certainly a good sign for the NHL that this deal gets done. Let's turn things to a hockey perspective, though, Frank. What's next in Ottawa? I mean, there's been a lot of talk that Lauer. the obvious connection is to Steve Steos. Maybe he's the guy who could come in and head up the hockey ops department or at least be the team's GM DJ Smith and Pierre Dorian, are they safe for now? Or do you think Ann Lauer could come in and make quick changes?
3: Well, just on a procedural note, Tyler, I think it's really important to point out that the Ann Lauer group may not be given the keys to this franchise to run it on a day-to-day basis just yet. They are going to require not just all of the, you know, think of buying a house. You can come to an agreement of sale, but then it might take you 30 or 60 days to actually close on the property in addition to that, so there's the, the funding side of it, which I'd imagine, given all the time that's taken to get to this point, is, is well on its way. But then there's the formal Board of Governors approval that would have to come with that. Now, the NHL's Board of Governors are scheduled to meet next Wednesday, uh, so that would be the 21st. I believe it's in New York City. I did check with some league sources this morning to ask, could this possibly be on the agenda for the Board of Governors to rubber stamp and approve? Uh, The answer is highly doubtful. So this is a process that may take some time to play out. Ann Lauer would also have to meet with the NHL's executive committee, the 10-member committee. That's the smaller, more powerful group of the board of governors before even getting to that point. So that's the procedural part. Then becomes the question of what changes happen in the SENS front office. Now, Pierre Dorian and his team have been sort of very confident publicly and in people that they're speaking to that they think they're going to be in charge. I still think that's a long shot. You mentioned Steve Steos. I think he's very likely to be part of this group uh, going into the Ottawa Senators. I'd imagine in a GM role, he was the GM, of course, of the Hamilton Bulldogs, when they had all of their success in the OHL, he was also a financial partner and investor in the Bulldogs with Michael Anlauer. So these two have been partners and there have, you asked about DJ Smith. Um, There have been some rumblings that because of the OHL connections that Anlauer has, that DJ Smith might actually be staying and may be safe. So if I were to gamble and I am a betting man, um, I would say that, Pierre Dorian will be moved out and DJ Smith would stay. That's the very early reading of the tea leaves. But when you mention Steos, that means the Edmonton Oilers also have a decision to make. And I reported, you know, six weeks ago or a month ago when the Oilers were eliminated from the playoffs, that this was potentially coming should the Anlauer group win the bid for the Sens, that they would have to say, well look, Ken Holland's entering the final year of his deal as general manager of the Oilers. He does not appear to have interest in staying beyond that. What is the succession plan for this franchise moving forward? And if Steve Steyos plays any part in that, if they view him as part of the plan moving forward, are they going to make a play to be protective and keep him? Or are they willing to let him walk? So that's the big question facing the Oilers for for Steve Steyos who is under contract.
0: Yeah, and uh, the sale is now done, but there are still plenty of questions in auto. Just quickly before we move on, Frank, what about from like an organizational building a team philosophy? You mentioned like, you know, the Lightning and the owner and how important having a good owner who maybe knows his role and can surround himself with good people, how important all of that is. Do you think we'll see the Senators team this summer or next maybe get more aggressive in the way they're building this or any sort of a change there?
3: Yeah, I would think that you want to strike while the iron's hot. First off, this team appears to be ready to take the next step on the ice with the pieces that they have in place. You're going to want to get more of a sense on someone like Debrinket. You're going to want to um, you know, make that move if he's not willing to sign long-term. You're going to want to figure out your goaltending situation, who's going to play with Anton Forsberg. But Ooh. you've got a lot of the positional boxes checked already. You've got your star forwards in Stutzla and you've got your star defenseman, you know, on the way in Sanderson and his impact. And then you traded for and Like there's a lot of really good things going on with the Sens, but I'd expect, especially with the excitement in the market, that you'd want to capitalize on the sort of fever pitch that's around this organization now with the interest of the new ownership group to really hit the ground running and make the playoffs next year and keep those good vibes going.
0: 100%. Uh, That was not or that is not the only piece of news we could be getting in the next little bit here. Peter Laviolette expected to become the next head coach of the New York Rangers. Frank, this will be the sixth NHL team that Laviolette has been the bench boss for. And I mean, this is a guy who's won a Stanley Cup with the Carolina Hurricanes back in 06. He's taken two other teams to Stanley Cup finals as well. Is this the right fit for the Rangers as they look to step into their championship contender window? I mean, you could argue they were already there, but is this the right move?
3: So if you rewind back the DFO Rundown podcast with Jason Greger two months ago, I mentioned then that Laviolette, not to pat myself on the back, like my arm isn't that long, I mentioned that he was the perfect fit in my view for where this team is at at this exact juncture. They got to the conference final ahead of schedule two seasons ago. Last year, a disappointing step back with a loss in the first round. And they also have a lot of the positional check Uh, checks applied to their roster as well. They've got the goalie in Shesterkin. They've got the Norris Trophy winner in Fox on the back end. They've got all these forwards up front that they're loaded with talent. How can they find a way to to complement this group, better surround it, and put it in a position to succeed? I think one of the big things missing was the coaching and the in-game adjustments and all that goes with that. I've seen Peter Laviolette up close. I've seen him cook. Um, I I covered him for parts of four years while he uh, was with the Flyers uh, and, and saw him take that team that was a seventh seed to the Stanley Cup final in 2010. And in his second season with the Nashville Predators, take that team to the cup final. So you mentioned it, three different franchises to the cup final, having won once. He's just got, I'll tell you what, an innate gut feel, whether it's The in-game situation, calling a timeout at the perfect time. He gets it. He senses it. Um, I don't expect him to change his style. He's not going to be any different in New York than he was in Washington or Nashville or any of the other stops that he's had along the way. Peter Labulette is one of the winningest American-born coaches of all time, and I'd expect in New York where he played his only NHL games and has a small connection to the organization that this is going to be a great fit.
0: Uh, Just quickly with the Rangers for the rest of the offseason, then what do you think Chris Drury could get up to with that roster? Is it going to be kind of a run it back approach, which with the bulk of that core, do you think there's a chance we see some sort of a shakeup with that roster?
3: I don't see seismic changes coming, but I do think that there are some questions to ask, particularly with the players on that kid line. Have you seen the development necessary Are you interested in continuing on with that group? Will you make any changes? Will some of those pieces, while they still have value, be moved out? Um, I think it's probably a little bit premature to move one of them, but I think at some point you have to ask the question before sort of the book is written on them and you have a real strong idea of what they are and, frankly, what what other NHL teams see that they aren't.
0: Let's take a look at tonight's game between the Panthers and the Golden Knights. We mentioned it off the top. The Stanley Cup is going to be in the building in Vegas as they look to complete their owner's mission of a cup within the first six years. Uh, But I want to take this a bit of a different direction, Frank. The NHL is a copycat league. We talk about that all the time. So I want to look at kind of how these two teams are built. And as 29 or sorry, 30 other clubs head into the offseason, to take a look back at what Florida and Vegas did last summer that led them to this point so we'll start with the Golden Knights they really didn't have that big of a summer their big move came last season when they acquired Jack Eichel they got Aiden Hill which at the time was not an afterthought move but something that was like hey you're shoring up your depth all right they had to offload Max Pacioretty and Evgeny Dadonov in order to create cap space as well but there weren't seismic changes last summer you look at Florida They made that seismic change. They swapped out Huberto and Mackenzie Wieger and a first round pick. They brought in Matt Kachuk and then they went bargain bin shopping in free agency, signing Mark and Eric Stahl. They got Nick Cousins as well, who's played an important role at different points of this playoff run for them as well. So like I said, copycat league, Frank, what are what could other GMs learn from either of these two teams in the way they were built?
3: I think you have to take it a step beyond just one offseason because what really stands out to me about the Golden Knights and the Panthers is their courage of conviction in acquiring Ooh. players. You mentioned Jack Eichel. Obviously, we have Matthew Kachuk on the other side. Um, Kachuk injury notwithstanding, you know in this final, you've seen two uh, American-born players at the height of their powers, which has been impressive to watch. But it goes way beyond just those two guys that they were traded for. Um, It's also going back to Alex Petrangelo and also Mark Stone. And you think about really how aggressively Vegas has built this team. First off, they're very top heavy. Uh, They've got the sort of stars that they have at those positions on forward and defense. And then a lot of their team is basically half of it almost seems to be guys that are making league minimum or just in that neighborhood. So they've made a big bet on stars and it seems like they've bet on the right ones in Petrangelo and stone and Eichel. And that stands out in a big way because it's so different than what that team was six years ago. The last time they went to the cup final and they're close to fulfilling this goal uh, that this demand that was put in place by their owner and Bill Foley, which we all laughed at mm-hmm. Stanley cup within six years, I was standing five feet from him when he said, it. and I was like, yeah, right. Who does this guy think he is? And yet this team has gone on this tear getting so close the first year. And then now there's only six guys left from that group six years ago that are still here and they've surrounded them and said goodbye to some really good Good players along the way. Max Pacioretty, they got, they gave him away for free last summer. Marc-Andre Fleury, they did the same thing. Paul Stastny. I'm not saying they've always done it the right way. It has never really been a question of loyalty. And I always laugh because one NHL GM in the Western Conference always says, if you want loyalty, get a dog. The Golden Knights have had almost none of it. And yet... They've been so aggressive in their pursuit, knowing that these are the guys we want to surround ourselves with and it's paying off in a big way. And you saw the Panthers too. Like they were willing to take a step back this season after a 122 point year, they were thinking, ah, we'll kind of be the seventh seed or the eighth seed in the East. They didn't expect to back into the playoffs in the last week of the regular season, knock off the greatest regular season team in NHL history and then go on a run all the way to the final. So It's been a wild run for both of these teams. And and let me remind you for everyone watching at home. One week ago, last year, Jack Eichel was on a boat in Hawaii. The Golden Knights missed the playoffs. And we were talking about firing their general manager, Kelly McCrimmon. That's what their owner, Bill Foley, was investigating. So it's amazing how random this sport is. But when you have the courage of conviction and the people that you are putting on your roster... I just think it can go a long way.
0: Both these teams have written fascinating stories to this point, and we'll see if tonight is the final chapter in the 2023 NHL season. The game starts tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Let's shift gears once again. Let's get into some draft talk and welcome in our pal Stephen Ellis with the next wave. Just a couple weeks away or just over a couple weeks away from the NHL draft. Always a pleasure to welcome in Stephen Ellis to the show with the next wave. Last week, we focused on goalies. This week, Stephen, let's zero in on the defensemen that are available in this year's draft. And I want to start with offensive D-men. It's always the sexy pick. Every GM wants to find the next Kale McCarr for their organization, Who's the best offensive defenseman in this year's class?
4: Well, it's a guy that will not come close to competing with Kale McCarr. But in terms of offensive uh, skill, you can't go wrong with Lukas Dragicevic, a guy that at the U18s I got to watch really closely. And, you know, he put up 75 points this year in the regular season, another four points in six playoff games. There's very few guys that can move the puck like him, like he did at the Tri-City Americans. The issue is, and you'll, you'll notice a lot of this in this year's NHL draft, He doesn't play a lot of defense. And as a defenseman, and I've said this a few times in the show, defensemen should be able to play defense. The issue is this is a guy that doesn't have the foot speed to get back. He'll rush the puck and then he'll get beat coming back. He's not always great positionally. He's always trying to attack players, but he's taking himself away from his assignment. So that's the big thing against him, but we can't ignore this guy just puts up points like it's nobody's business. He was good at the U18s after a terrible first game and just kind of started to figure it out. Uh, so it's hit or miss with him, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out there getting 90 points next year in the WHL. Like, he's that talented with the puck.
3: Wow, that's a big number. Uh, Steven, I'm always fascinated by how this defensive crop has Really been evaluated. You see the two Swedish defensemen Wallander and also Sandine Pelica that have rocketed up the draft boards in the last few months. But when it comes to the true best true defender in this draft shutdown potential, who stands out to you?
4: So I polled a bunch of people at the NHL Draft Combine over the weekend, and it was almost unanimous. It's Dmitry Semichev out of Russia. And obviously, it's harder for a lot of teams to go out there and, and see the Russian players this year. A lot of teams don't even have Russian scouts anymore. But, you know, he, he didn't put up a lot of points, but he played a lot in the MHL. He played a lot in the KHL. He's physical. He can just, just crush you, and he's just as good as you can get in his own zone. You know, he's six four. He's got the size, he's got the brains, he's a good playmaker, but that's not really his strength. His strength is just making sure when you get near the net, he will make your life miserable. And um, I think that this is someone who, compared to a lot of these other guys at the top of the draft, like David Reinbacher, like ASP, like Wallander, you know, is not going to excite you much. But he's just going to get the job done. And he's about so are a we are
3: we thinking like a, if we're thinking a current comp, just watching the Cup final, like a Radko Gudas type.
4: Yeah, actually, that's that's the one that most people come up with. Uh, less of a beard, obviously, um, but, you know, still a guy that you don't want to go one-on-one with. He just could get shut you down eventually.
2: It's, it's beard. Still
4: early.
0: <laughs> oh, that is good. That's a nice comp. Yeah, the facial hair, maybe not quite there, but the rugged shutdown defensive ability might be. Uh, finally, you know, talk offensive, talk defensive. What about the player with the best chance of just, being the best even the guy who can step in and maybe one day be a team's legit number one workhorse d-man who's the best all-around defender in this class
4: well again from talking to people the combine it's a lot of people are seeming to go towards David Reinbacher, and I have to agree. And I know Sandy Pelica has a lot going for him. I just to think defensively, there's a bit better there in Reinbacher's game. I think he's just he's good physically, he's good offensively, he's good defensively. And I got a story about him coming up for Daily Faceoff today, and I will point out that he was not projected to be a first round pick early in the year. Do you know who also wasn't projected to be a first round pick? Moritz Sider. Another guy that really rose through the ranks in his draft year. Both come from countries that don't get a ton of attention. Now, in Reinbacher's case, he was actually playing in in Switzerland, not Austria. But he was playing really key minutes. He's playing 18 to 20 minutes a night. You don't typically see that out of guys this age. So he's been playing a lot of pro hockey. He's just got good – again, there's not really a huge flaw to his game. And uh, he's just a guy that when you – to talk to people, talk to scouts who've talked to him, they say he's just one of the smartest, uh, down to earth players you're going to talk to in this draft. So there's a lot of interest in him. Is he
0: a top 10 pick, a lock to go in the top 10?
4: I, I 100% think so.
0: 100% interesting stuff. Uh, a lot of interesting D men in this class. We've talked goalies, we've talked D men. Next week, we'll get into some of the forwards you find interesting in this class as well. Thanks for hopping on, Steven.
4: Yeah, thanks so much.
0: Moving along to our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag ask DFO. Frank, the question,
4: if if
0: the Stanley Cup gets handed out tonight, who will Mark Stone
3: pass it to first? This is always one of my favorite traditions is trying to chart the path. My prediction or guess would be that it goes to some of the other original Golden Misfits first. I would have to think that um, Jonathan Marcheseau and and... That group, Riley Smith, William Carlson, will all be touching the cup pretty early. I'd imagine Alex Petrangelo, a former uh, captain of the St. Louis Blues, who's received it first as they won their first ever franchise championship, uh, will be getting it somewhat early. And uh, I'll touch on another guy that I hope gets some love tonight uh, just coming up in garbage time, but uh, we'll save that.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to run through the Golden Misfits line first. It'll be Stone who gives it to March and Carlson, then Riley Smith. That is my official prediction for you, Frank. If the Stanley Cup is handed out tonight, and if there's any Florida Panthers fans in the chat, they're probably screaming at their computers right now, saying, come on, the series isn't even over yet. It's 3-1, uh, but it certainly has that kind of feel. Frank, before we get to our bets, like it really does feel like Vegas is just clearly in the driver's seat here, right? Well, they're
3: clearly in the driver's seat, but it only takes one game. Matthew Kachuk said all we have to do is one win one game to send it back to Florida and make them cross the country again. So... I always think when the cups in the building, everyone sort of reacts a little bit differently, plays a little bit differently, knowing what's on the other end of it, that maybe the moment, I don't know, we haven't seen that happen to the golden Knights at any point so far in the playoffs, but maybe the moment gets to them a little bit. It's like a, a a golfer on the 18th hole, knowing they have a chance to win. Some people are ice cold. Some aren't. Um, There's a lot that can happen uh, even when it seems like a mere formality at this point. But I don't know. The, the Panthers have also come back from 3-1. I know they're banged up, but just I have a sneaky funny feeling that the Panthers are going to win game 5.
0: Ooh. Not bad. As someone who took a bit of a stab earlier in the series on the Golden Knights to lose a home game at some point, I uh, I know who I am or who my wallet is rooting for in this one here tonight. Let's talk a little betting courtesy of Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca and uh, let's flash up what we got for tonight. Frank, a couple of shot props that I have in mind for this evening's game starting at the top. Sam Bennett, he was on a streak of hitting his shot prop in 10 consecutive games That streak came to an end last game. We're getting this close to even money as well. I think this is a really, really solid spot for Sam Bennett to bounce back, and I love the Mark Stone shot prop again. I've hit it in every game this series, and it's cashed in three of four. You're giving me plus money on this bad boy. He's hitting it a ton with this series shifting back to home ice and with the Stanley Cup on the line and in the building tonight. I could see Mark Stone's minutes get a bit of a tick up in this hockey game, and that should lead to more shots on goal for the Golden Knights captain, so give me Mark Stone over two and a half and Sam Bennett over two and a half. They've been crushing it as of late and you're getting close to plus money on each of them as well. So a couple of shot props for you okay. tonight, courtesy of Botano.ca.
3: So I'm, I'm not allowed to bet, but the Smythe odds fascinate me. Um, I, I mentioned this also on radio yesterday on Sportsnet, so I'm not saying anything out of turn, but I am one of the 18 voters for the Consmythe trophy. And if you look on Botano, Jack Eichel today was 20 to one. It's the prohibitive favorite is Jonathan Marcheseau. And second is Aiden Hill. Matthew Kachuk is 10 to one. I see almost no chance that the cons goes to uh, a member of the losing team with how lopsided this series has been and how banged up Kachuk has been as well. Personally, I, I see tremendous value in Jack Eichel. I think it's a razor-thin margin between Eichel, Marcheseau, and Aiden Hill. I'm leaning towards Jack Eichel in my number one spot right now. I'm, I'm having a hard time wrestling with Jonathan Marcheseau and all the enormous goals that he scored. And then how do you factor in Aiden Hill and the goaltending with you know how much of that is the system that the Golden Knights play? He's been almost flawless. Man, this is a a really close margin, and when you have a deciding game like this, if Jack Eichel were to come out and get a big goal early, for instance, does that sway vote? Like, there's a lot that could happen here, and I'm just saying, at twenty to one, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. I, in some places here in the U.S., I saw today it was twenty five to one, but then I've been reading some prediction stories, and people have been saying they're not even listing Jack Eichel. So I understand, I guess, where the odds makers are getting it from. And part of it could just be that there's been a whole pile of money placed on Marsha. So I don't know what the answer is, but it seems a little strange to me.
0: Yeah, it is a little bit, a uh, little bit interesting. Certainly something to investigate if you are a better by heading over to botano.ca. Let's wrap up the show with a little garbage time here, Frank. Uh, I could be the end of the road for an call him an iconic NHLer. I mean, come on. It's Phil Kessel. He's at least one of the most lovable guys in the league. Is today going
3: to be the end for
0: Phil Kessel's NHL career?
3: Don't know, but I think it's certainly uh, a, ho- a hope if it is that a proper send off is in order. He's only played four of the Golden Knights playoff games to this point. Hasn't played since the first round. But the NHL's record Iron Man, probably a streak that will never be broken. 1,064 consecutive NHL games. Of course, that record... Doesn't carry over to the postseason, so it hasn't been snapped yet. I'm just wondering if this might be the end of the road, given how little Phil has played in these playoffs. Still had 14 goals this season and 36 points, so a pretty decent regular season for a guy that made a million and a half bucks. I just hope that Mm -hmm. at some point, as the Golden Knights continue to pass the Stanley Cup along, should they win it, that Phil Kessel gets some love. A three-time Stanley Cup champion. An unbelievable career. And as we argued on the DFO rundown earlier this week, Tyler, maybe a potential sneaky Hall of Famer at some point, you know, 10 years down the road as they continue to go over resumes.
0: Yeah. An interesting, another interesting storyline to watch in the hockey game tonight. Heading into the game, it'll be all about the health of Matt Kachuk as well, which really does feel like it could be an X factor for the Panthers. Yeah. The Panthers
3: be- brought Grigory Denisenko and Giovanni Smith along with them on the trip. Those guys have not played so far in the postseason. Denisenko, 2018 first rounder, very minimal NHL experience, kind of tells you how tough the Panthers are in. And Tyler, for whatever reason, when that happens, it almost feels like you get the very best out of everyone else on the team. Their attention to detail goes way up. So going to be a fascinating game five.
0: If there are any updates, if there are any or if there is any breaking news today, we'll have it covered over on DailyFaceOff.com. And we'll be back tomorrow, same time, noon Eastern, with another edition of Daily Face Off Live. Enjoy the game tonight in Vegas, and we'll chat again tomorrow.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
0: Because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear. And you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight